In a departure from our normal prose of silly bit at the beginning of each episode, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up and touch upon the passing of a comic book icon recently. Stan Lee was a visionary, and somewhat of a rock star in the comic world. He's had his hand in a vast majority of Marvel's works, but will be most remembered for his hand in the creation of Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and many other loved characters. From here at the Dork Web, we'll miss you, Stan. Excelsior! Welcome to episode 7 of The Dork Web. Uh, it's been two weeks since our Halloween spooktacular, and as always, I'm joined by my venerable co-host, Evan Rakowski. Feels good to be alive again. Yes, absolutely. You were a ghost. It was a very, very nice experience, I'll say. Yeah, no, I don't like it. You, you went crazy for a little bit. Uh, you were shouting things in tongues. I don't know what what tongues yeah i listened to the recording and i don't remember any of that well it's okay dr strange came through and he sorted things out i'm happy to report that uh you're okay feel okay there you go i think i'm okay there you go so on this episode uh we're well should we tell everyone the surprise that we have let's give them a a sneak peek okay so the orc codex came out for those of you who are Warhammer 40k players, and for the uninitiated, uh, what a codex is, is essentially an elaboration on a certain army or faction, everything from fluff of the army, uh, and, you know, like, um, I guess, setting and information about them, to expansion of rules, new characters, new models, uh, pretty much everything that you would want if you were putting an army together to play, uh, either competitively or just for fun. Uh, playing without a codex does not make all of the sense in the world, but there are some armies that need to do it for a while, like orcs. It was a sad time. A dark time. Yes. A green time. A green time indeed. But it, it the grass is greener now, because the codex is out. And so are the orcs. They're also greener. Yes, and I'm actually happy to announce, Evan, I, I got some mail, and it seems like you were accepted. Was it the contest I entered for it, Snaz My Wagon? It was the contest for Snaz My Wagon. Oh my god, I am so excited. Yeah, they're, they're going to be coming through <gasps> towards the end of the episode, and they're they're essentially going to pimp your army out and snaz your wagon, yeah. so to speak, and give you a brand new army. I'm so excited. I know, but we, we get a lot to cover first. It's true. We have first business, then pleasure. That's true. So there's actually been a fair amount of news since our last reporting. Um, I think probably something that many, many people have heard about already is uh, Blizzard and uh, the reaction to Diablo Immortal. So, should we start with our opinion first, or just state the horrible reaction it got from fans? Let's start with the reaction. Yeah, so I'm fairly sure that when this was first announced, um, they decided to you know bring a fan up or some member of the audience to like you know ask him a question, and I'm pretty sure he said. Um, is this an early slash really bad April Fool's joke? Just in front of everyone, you know, watching BlizzCon at home, in front of the audience, in front of the Blizzard employees. And... That was awesome. It was basically, I think, the general opinion of everyone in that room, except for the people presenting. Um, and then the guy said, which has also been memed, uh, do you not have phones? Yeah, yeah, that was a little snarky, but... Um... Yeah, people don't like it. Essentially, a lot of people think that it's it's kind of like... Um, slap in the face. A slap in the face. They feel like it's aims towards just like casual uh, money-making, um, kind of like cell phone game tactics we see everywhere, everywhere, all the time. Filthy casuals. Yeah, yeah, so like that kind of behavior, that kind of attitude. Um, I get it. I totally get it. And My you... opinion, I've, I've yeah. discussed this with you before, but... Um, you know, I get it, and I probably won't play it myself, but at least financially, like, as a company, especially the company that Blizzard is now, it totally makes sense to take something like Diablo, skim, you know, the game down a little bit, make it something that you can play on a phone, and get it 
to that worldwide audience that Fortnite, you know, we see this success exactly with Fortnite on the cell phone and, you know, kind of like the door that it's opened into, uh, like social and, um, you know, all these different situations that before you normally wouldn't see video games in. And Blizzard obviously wants to capitalize on that. They have the IPs and the resources to capitalize on that. And I think that this is just one of their first attempts to do so. Yeah, much like the United States or China, they are poised on the edge of global conquest. Yes. At the, at a, the drop of a hat. Well, actually, I uh, can't believe this slipped my mind. They already have done this. So Hearthstone, perfect example. Yeah. Like, people were upset, you know, like... How no, could it's, you, it's a mobile game. It's a mobile what game. What are you doing? Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, we complain so much. We, we complain about a lot here in the dark so web. So much on the dark web. At the end of the day, I probably won't play it. I don't know if it's... Like, I don't even consider it, like, the next entry in Diablo. And I get that the fans were expecting something, and it was a huge letdown. But, I mean, I'm not so angry at Blizzard because of this that... uh I mean, just people seem to take some of this stuff to the extreme. So I think a lot of people are expecting Diablo 4, even though they even though they explicitly stated, like, oh, we're not going to show anything for Diablo 4. But, like, I think the original plan was to show something for Diablo 4, because they are working on it. That's something they have, have confirmed, is that they're working on Diablo 4. But they just don't want to show anything for it yet. And what people got was... I guess another thing to understand is a lot of people who've been playing Diablo have been playing it since, like, you know, the first or second game. I know we got it on a third game, and we were kind of like... Is this what all the hype was about? I don't know. The way people describe Diablo, it kind of seemed a lot more than what we got from Diablo 3. And I feel like they're both kind of almost let down by that. But um, at the same time, I do see, like... I almost feel like they should just... Phones are strong enough now where they can just port Diablo 3 to, like, I feel like, you know, like a new iPhone or something. But uh, I guess failing that, you know... As, as you said, the cell phone market is ripe for, you know, any kind of competition. Oh, absolutely. Free competition, especially. Yeah, and and I just think Blizzard wants to jump in on that. So, this won't be the last time we hear about this. This won't be the last, just like Diablo, it won't be the last time you see him. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But um, in a slightly different light of Blizzard news... Would you say a rose-tinted light? A rose-tinted light. Uh, Warcraft 3 Remaster. I, I've been for years. I have been regaling uh, JLo with the tales of my youth playing uh, my older brother's copy of Warcraft Three. Yeah, he. So Evan tweeted about it as soon as it popped up on on our Twitter feed, and that's how I actually caught wind of it. But I was elated. Yes, it is. It is a good thing because I have never played these games, but they seem like the type of games that I would enjoy playing, and especially considering it sets up the world of Warcraft, so to say. Yeah, and from what I understand, they're, they're adding some things and kind of expanding on other things to make the game fit better. Because if there's one thing we can say for sure, it's that... Blizzard you know, knows consistency. Yeah, Blizzard is terrible at keeping lore <laughs> consistency. That is true. So they need to clean it up a little bit to, to keep everything consistent with what we see in WoW. But, I mean, that's cool. I'm down with that. I know that there's already some, you know, uh, distemper about... Uh, <laughs> about those changes but um yeah yeah is what i'll say well one of the things i've read and hopefully it's you know the most serious of these changes is that um so for those who don't know there was this event in warcraft 3 called this calling it Stratholm. it was also a time dungeon like where you travel back in time and relive it in warcraft world of warcraft and uh let's just say the versions from warcraft 3 which came out which i'm assuming somewhere early 2000s or late 90s um, looks a lot different from what it appears like on the, you know, uh, World of Warcraft. So they're changing that map to mesh with that idea a bit better. Which is fine, because I'm, you know, besides for what you're doing on the map, like the map layout itself isn't really the most memorable thing about it, despite it being, you know, a very memorable mission. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I am all for going back and changing something <laughs> fixing inconsistencies of the lore yeah i'm all for going back and changing something and fixing something as long as it is not to undermine the experience agreed and i think that i think that's a good place on that one um next giant uh conglomerate is square enix 
So, first piece, uh, a potential new game, new series, new IP from Square Enix. Oh, pray tell. Yes, it is called Last Idea. Huh, that almost sounds like Final Fantasy. Yeah, keep going. I know you got a couple uh, more there. It almost sounds like Lost Odyssey. What else? Uh, almost sounds like uh, Last Story. Yep, that's, that's Last Story written there. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Square Enix has a way with naming things, and we can only imagine that uh, this is potentially going to be something made by Sakaguchi, Sakaguchi being uh, one of the main attributing creators of Final Fantasy, uh, Lost, o- Lost Odyssey, basically everything that Evan just said, but he's also had a hand in kingdom hearts and like everything else that square enix uh has their hand in and let's just say the latest news concerning him and square enix he's not strangers with the company he's been collaborating with them on certain events you know for their games and kind of acting like an employee really his name is hironobu hironobu yes hironobu sakaguchi is this also the same man who looks just like the uh keyblade master and birth by sleep it is yes uh, they modeled him they modeled that character after him wow way to go yeah master equius or or something like that uh I, from birth by sleep it's a little too close to equine well, maybe master horse no no <laughs> but um to take that you know that that high that i just brought you to with that new news uh final fantasy 15 another major Square Enix RPG, is right now about dead in the water. So it's a sad day. It is. So the leader, um, the main director, creator of Final Fantasy XV, uh, his first name is Hajime. I believe I'm saying that right. Last name, Tabuda. Well, he... is Tabuda his first name? Because isn't it, you know, surname first and last name? Well, it doesn't matter. In our nomenclature... That's his name. Yeah, I believe his last name's Tabuda, but at either uh, either way, he uh, has left Square Enix kind of unfortunately, unceremoniously. He uh, released, I believe it was an email saying, like, you know, thanking all of the fans and talking about how, you know, he can't wait to move on to his next big challenge. But essentially, he is leaving the company to start his own game development company uh, and create a new project. Uh, and he was inspired by the work that he did on Final Fantasy XV and the praise that it got to to go and do this. Uh, but what does this mean for Final Fantasy XV? I see your eyes asking me, Evan. My yes. eyes do ask you this. Yes. Well, what it means is uh, they had four more DLCs planned, expanding uh, the characters on the game, a little bit more story to them. Any more stuff like the Assassin's Creed DLC? No, no more Assassin's Creed DLC. Thank but God. But these were the episodes where they were expanding oh, character like by character. Episode Noctis and stuff yes. like that. So the Noctis one will not come out. Oh. That was due out. There were uh, several others, four total, but there is one that will make it out, and it is episode Arden, and that's the one that is uh, dealing with the main antagonist, the main villain of the game, and it'll be a little bit of a prologue. There's already a trailer up for it, but we can expect that in March. That's Other un- than that... That's unfortunate, because... It almost seems like these DLCs were existing to fill in those kind of like big time skips in the game where like, you know, a character would leave or, you know, something would happen and you figure, find out about it later. Yeah. And apparently there's an accompanying anime about it, too. A couple of episodes of an anime. Oh, yeah. I'm all no, no like there's there was the one that was already oh, a new there, one. but a new one. Yeah. Oh. Hopefully that'll fill in the blanks that will never get filled. I, I hope so. But. A uh, little bit of sad news. I really enjoyed Final Fantasy XV, and I've played a lot of Final Fantasy over the years. And it was it was a a fresh kind of uh. It felt like the direction that the series needed mm-hmm. to go in. And having seen you play these Final Fantasy games, especially fifteen, it was a very I, I would say unique approach. But you could I mean it's it's biggest inspiration was The Witcher. Oh and, yeah, and it played a lot like it in in a sense. And that, that was interesting to see Final Fantasy take that approach. It, the world seemed a lot more alive and vibrant in that manner. Much yeah. Like, much like, you know, that world in The Witcher. Yeah. No, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really cool. 
I've been uh, and the music was good too. and the music was great. I own the soundtrack, as you know. But uh, the machine, yes. But uh, you know, I'll probably replay it around the time that that DLC comes out. Give it, you know, like a Viking funeral, <laughs> burn it on my porch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that's the most relevant transition. We'll get to our next topic of discussion: Detective Pikachu. Oh, that yeah. is something I would. I mean, I am somewhat excited for it, but if I saw something that looked like Detective Pikachu on my porch, I would burn it. Yeah, no, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. Oh, okay. Um, but I, there is some kind of an uproar uproar about the uh, the texture, the of realistic Pikachu. portrayal of like 4K textures on these Pokemon. Yeah. Um. Whatever. Yeah. You know, they look pretty cool. It's cool. I think my biggest gripe with it, and I've I've said this to you before, and I've said it to Billy before, is it cool like i'm all for this movie that is you know a detective and pikachu and they're working together and the detective can hear pikachu but to everyone else they cannot hear pikachu that's all cool that's fine jlo's happy with it but what strikes me is ryan reynolds as pikachu and that's weird i can't get over that it is very strange to kind of see ryan reynolds who you now see more and more especially with his success at Deadpool, to just hear that, you know, non-child-friendly voice coming out of probably one of the most child-friendly characters in the 21st century. Yeah, and, like, it's not a deal-breaker for me, but I don't... What's the way? It's not disharmonious. It's, um... It, like, pulls me out. It, like... I've used this word to describe games where, like, your character is supposed to be something. And narrative dissonance. That's narrative dissonance is a good one. But it definitely strikes me with some narrative dissonance. I'll use yes, your, your yes. phrase there. Uh, however, you know, if this has to be the first step to get to a point where Nintendo sees some kind of great success from this, and from here... We get another Super Mario Bros. movie. No. No? We don't uh, get another Super Mario Bros. movie, but instead... <laughs> We get a uh, red and blue slash kind of like a, a Pokemon season one movie, but done with real people and really good effects. Or a remake of Pokemon 2000, the movie, but in gritty, in like, you know, modern Disney-esque gritty retelling. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, Pokemon cry tears, and those tears we use to jumpstart our evolution. And you actually see, like, Mewtwo just, like, mauling a lab full of scientists and killing them. Hey, Nintendo, we get some ideas at the dork web. You give us a call. But uh, besides for my opinion on that, I, despite my apprehension, this is almost kind of like the Pokemon movie I've been wanting since I was a kid. To see, you know, what a realistic Pokemon would be in the real world. It's just, you know, as, as I, to reiterate, it's something you'd imagined as a kid and kind of always wanted to see. But, you know, never got the chance due to the limitations of, you know, like the Game Boy and Nintendo 64. Yeah, no, it definitely takes the element of Pokemon. The childlike wonder. Yeah, the the element of Pokemon that everybody wants that is, oh, I wish Pokemon was real. Like, if only it was real and this was in my world. What would it be like in the real world, yeah. Yes, and it presents that to you in in a really cool way. So I'm going to go see it. Still, the jury's out on Ryan Reynolds' voice for Pikachu. Especially because if if my dream comes true, and they make you know those those Ash Ketchum or Red whatever movies you want to call yeah. them, you can't be having Ryan Reynolds the talking Pikachu <laughs> traveling with Ash. But uh, I digress. We'll if see. I could do a good Ryan Reynolds impersonation, I would have done one, but I thought better of it. Thank you. I thank you so much. Uh, the last little piece of news before we we go on stage for uh, Snaz my wagon. Oh boy. Oh yeah is uh, the Game Awards. So those are going on right now. And, and it's a real award ceremony. It's a real award ceremony. I had to check a couple of times <laughs> because it just said the Game Awards. And I was like, is this a website thing? Is or this is the this... same one Jack Black hosted a couple years ago? Is, what is this? But no, this is legit. This is the Game Awards. And um, non, you know, not very surprisingly, some of the highest uh, nomination holders are God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, both with eight nominations. And then Spider-Man had seven, right? Correct. I believe Spider-Man had seven or six. Yes. So that is not very surprising. Yeah. God of War was like... I'm, I'm sure we've talked about God of War on this channel before, right? 
I don't think we've talked about how much we liked it, but I definitely brought up the lack of boss battles. Yeah, but I mean, besides for like its biggest problem being the lack of, lack of boss battles, it was good. It was really good. Oh, it was a great game. It was like a whole new, like, mature setting and tone for the series. But let's go back to the awards. Yes. So, you know, I I didn't think... The... We also haven't played Red Dead 2 yet. No. Upon I'm on recording. No. Uh, yeah, at the time of this recording, we have not played that either one of us. Personally, I'm going to wait for it to get a little bit cheaper because Rockstar rubbed me the wrong way with the way that they handled... Uh, you know, just the lack of narrative DLC with um, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. So I get a bone to pick with them about that. And I will not pay $60 for Red Dead, even though everyone is saying how good it is. Funds are tight on the Dorkweb's wallet right now. It's so true. we'll wait for a uh, for some kind of a sale or, you know, maybe Rockstar will listen to this and they'll say, Dorkweb, here you go. And my excuse for not getting it, I play Orcs. They're very expensive. Yeah, you got to buy lots of pieces. Lots of pieces. We'll get it. We'll talk about it. But it's not surprising that it's up there. Same thing with Spider-Man. Same thing with God of War. What did surprise me, and I know there was a couple things that surprised you too, mm-hmm. but what did surprise me is uh, one of the games that is nominated for Game of the Year is called Celeste. And some people uh, may have heard of this. It was an indie game. It has four nominations total. Um, honestly, I I may have heard of this game in passing, but I didn't recognize it. So I quickly looked up a video of it. And, like, it looks cool. It's, uh, like, a super hardcore platformer. Kind of like Super Meat Boy. Kind of like Super Meat Boy. And it's got, like, a... It, it definitely has a retro style um, to it. Um, it's very simple with its mechanics. There's a dash, uh, the ability to jump and hold on to something... And certain uh, things that you can touch interact with or interact with uh, to change the way that those mechanics work. But the thing that was so pr- surprising to me is, even though this looks like a really cool game, how the hell do you stand that game up next to God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Spider-Man? You know, I, I understand, you know, indie games. I'm a huge fan of indie games. Most of the games that I own on my computer are indie games. But I understand that there's a certain, you know, there's a certain cost of admission when it comes to being named Game of the Year, and the the forerunners this year are very strong. Oh, of course, very it's strong. Been, it's been a strong year for gaming, you know, besides for Destiny Two, which will kill that beast later. Um, but Celeste, I guess I, I understand why people like it. You know, people like games like Undertale. And, uh, you know, Enter the Gungeon, all these kind of retro-styled, pixelated games. And Celeste does it very well. Celeste really captures that old feeling of a very tight, polished, well-made platformer. But that's the thing. It doesn't bring anything new to the table. I wouldn't call it a rehash. It's more of, like, I guess, you know, retelling or remastering of that era of, of that type of game. And... It's good. It's good to see an indie game get this much recognition, but when it, I guess it comes to the substance of the game, and maybe that's maybe I'm, I'm too young to appreciate a game like this, even though I'm what almost twenty six. It's just it, it's nothing new, we'll say, and yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing because of course there's you can sell nostalgia. Yeah. No. I've uh, I've played games in the same vein as Celeste before. Mostly growing up, some, you know, that I've just played as I've discovered them, as I've gotten older and been able to actually go out and buy things, you know, on my own accord. That is true. But, um, I've, I love, I love those kind of games, but never once have I gone back and played, like, Undertale, or, um... You you didn't beat it, though. Your game got corrupted. Yeah, towards the end, but... but, It's a shame. It's a great story. I know. Shh, don't tell them. (laughs) <laughs> but um or you know cuphead or something like that those games are all great they're modern interpretations of kind of like the genesis of, yeah. of See, where even, we come yeah. from but even cuphead is like kind of like a contra type game yeah but um but you know never do i look at those games and i say oh man that's the best thing i've played all year <laughs> yeah. like at least for me the standard i have a lot at least, again at least for me 
the standard that I have to even consider something for game of the year is it needs to move me in the same kind of capacity that a movie or a book or art might move me. And How about if that the power ha- to move you? Or the way that Tenacious D moves me. Yes. If, if that happens, then psh, by all means, game of the year. But I guess, you know, thinking about what I just said, people might be able to reach that with nostalgia, but I don't know if we should classify it the same way. Because with nostalgia, you're simply just looking back on something else that's giving you that feeling and you're just being reminded of it as opposed to, you know, the thing in front of you creating that. However, we've probably talked about this for far too long. It looks like a great game. I don't mean to... Talk down upon it. I don't want to talk down upon it. If anything, we're proud of Celeste for its humble beginnings. It surprised me. Yeah, it surprised me. And that's what this is about. Now, what surprised you, Evan? The fact that Destiny 2 even got not one award but three or nominated nominated oh yeah thank jumping the gun a bit here but we all know how these award ceremonies go yeah destiny will definitely get one probably i know so i mean not not to you know beat this horse any harder than i am but uh i kind of feel like destiny even getting one achievement or nomination that kind of delegitimizes the whole ceremony i'm sorry to say it yeah i want to like you destiny i really do but you've hurt me Destiny is the type of game that, like, it, it's kind of like what I remember, like, when they first started talking about Fable. Yeah. It's like this great promise of what you could do it's and the what Anakin the game Skywalker should be. It's the Anakin Skywalker video games, where, it, you know, you do this prophecy, it's everything it should be, and then it just turns to the dark side and just, like, rips your heart out, and you're like, I loved you like a brother, Destiny. You were supposed to be the chosen one. Yeah, no, it definitely was supposed to be Halo on steroids. And after it's given to you with its arms and legs chopped off, like trying to crawl towards you, like, buy me and play me, you just kind of walk away sadly. Oh, you mean um, when we got it for free from PlayStation? Yes, but also how they make a complete game and then then chop it up. And, you know, you have to pay pay more for the whole game. You need to incrementally buy the game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that practice either. It's a shame. It is. But uh, I think, you know, what I heard from what you just said is it's a real shame that Destiny isn't what it promises. And you can see glimpses of it. You can see glimpse and glimpses of, like, a well-written, interesting sci-fi world, um, you know, that only, you know, a company like Bungie could think up of. But unfortunately, it's just muddled. and Cobbled and together. Cobbled together like some horrible Frankenstein. Yeah. And there's definitely a longer conversation to be had on destiny and, you know, the ethics of how the game is uh, presented and sold and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But here's the thing. A lot of people like destiny and can forgive it for the things we hated for. That's what I was just going to say. And now those people will stop listening to us and we just lost some fans. Maybe, but... um, Come back, please. I'm sorry. I'll play destiny. I have it on a good word from Doctor Strange himself that that uh, ritual we did had some effect, so... Uh, yes. We'll see how well they can stay away from us. Our numbers swell with the dead. Yes. Well, with closing uh, of the Video Game Awards, I well, we're going to keep following, obviously. These are just nominations. I don't know if we'll be able to get another episode out before um, you know the winners are disclosed, but there's probably a good chance that the next episode we do will cover the winner's whether it's new news or old news. Yeah. Uh, but for right now, I actually see I see the limo outside. We we have to go to the studio oh, and boy. get ready. We're going to get ready for Snaz My Wagon. Oh, oh yeah. I'm so excited. Snaz My Wagon is brought to you in part by Capital Teefs. Capital Teefs. What's in that pouch? Snaz My Wagon is filmed in front of a live orc audience inside of an asteroid and hurtling past holy terror. Hello, and welcome to Snaz My Wagon. I'm your host... Rib Muncher, and I'm here for a very special episode. We have a guest with us today, Mr. Evan. Oh, Rib Muncher, I'm such a huge fan of you and the show. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, we're very happy to have you. We have a, a tremendous new codex that is available now for the orcs. And, you know, as, as an orc myself, I just couldn't be more pleased with what we, what we have nowadays. And I'm glad to have you here, is what I'll say again. Now... Evan, if you could enlighten myself and the crowd, what what drew you to the orcs? Why uh, why orcs for your army in Warhammer 40k? 
Well, Ribmuncha, ever since I learned about Warhammer 40k, nothing has quite entertained me consistently as the orcs. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Warhammer 40k universe is a very grim, dark sci-fi universe where there's almost no humor, and it's just bleak and miserable. But then there's the orcs, who can really only be described as an endless green sea of these gigantic, hulking, belligerent, like, soccer hooligans who talk like, you know, gritty Londoners who are like, oh, what's all this then? You know, stuff like that. I'm quite well spoken for one of them. Oh, yeah. I. It's amazing. Hey, it's in the job of being a game show host. Yes. Um, and also what's an interesting fact about the orcs is that, uh, technically speaking, they're the most psionically powerful race in the Warhammer universe. Um, however, they are not aware of this, but it is the sole reason for the functioning of their technology, which for all intents and purposes is just, you know, like welded together scrap metal, and that'll be that in anyone else's hands. But if an orc picks it up, think, thinks that he's holding a gun and thinking the gun has bullets, will pull the trigger on this heap of scrap and it will fire bullets. Now, Evan, how long have you been actively playing orcs? Well... I never actually really got to play them until um, Kill Team came out because, you know, a as a lot of Orc players had known, Orktober was a long time coming, and if you kind of started playing Orcs in a period of time, people were just like, just wait till the Codex comes out, then finish your army. So I was kind of stuck in that limbo, but I did get a nice taste of them in, in a Kill Team, where they can definitely field more characters on the field, and those characters hit pretty hard which is, I guess, the general idea of Oryx is you're going to have a lot of them. They're kind of cheap, but if they get into melee combat, they will they will ruin your day. And how long have you been collecting Oryx? Uh, a few years now, I feel like. It, it, it feels like we've been collecting these things for a while at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm pleased to say that your your patience is, is going to pay off today. So I think that we here at Snaz My Wagon... We've done a pretty good job at, at fabricating a list just for you, but why don't you remind everybody what are the key things that you're looking for in your orc army? Well, the key things I'm looking for in my orc army is to definitely capitalize on the uh, the whole green tide tactic, and that is having you know two groups of of twenty or three groups of thirty or two groups of thirty uh, of these hard hitting boys, while individually you know kind of meek and poopy and will get like one hit killed however um if you manage to get these boys to where you need to go ideally you might be getting upwards of 150 attacks on your opponents if you get a whole mob of them on the front lines and as well as when october was announced we got sneak peeks at some pretty crazy vehicles and being a fan of mac mad max fury road i want some crazy metal death traps in my army well, I think we have something that'll please both sides of that desire. Uh, we've put together a list for you, as they call it. And this list, this army, is a combination of two groups of orcs that'll be working together um, out of the maximum 2,000 points that you can field. You have 1,996 points. This sounds very well optimized. We think it is. We think that it is. So, first up, I'm going to walk you through the, the melee group, or the hard-hitting group. The meat and potatoes of an Aork army. Absolutely. So, first and foremost, we decided that the culture for these orcs, because culture, as we know, is very, very important. So important that it actually provides abilities and special factors to a part of your army that has that type of culture. Out of pure belief. Out of pure belief. So the culture that we decided on for this portion of the army is Goth. Now, the special thing about Goths is any time that they roll on a melee attack, if they roll their dice and the result is a 6, unmodified, then they can immediately make an additional attack after resolving that first. This could be something quite important when you're running with a large group of boys, especially numbering 30, 40, 50 boys. It's a lot of dice to be rolled at one time. Speaking of the boys, we have a weird boy. Ooh. Yes, now the, the weird boy will be one factor of control for the army. Uh, a weird boy is kind of like a orc shaman. 
and that orc has the ability to channel the powers of the warp and in some essence of the words cast magic oh. uh yeah so you'll be able to do things like teleporting large numbers of orcs is or vehicles it is known as the jump oh. teleporting large numbers of your orcs or vehicles onto a close proximity of the enemy catching surprise tactics and of course doing doing damage with magic space magic very powerful side by side with the weird boy your boys are going to be led by none other than Gazkul Thraka himself. Gazkul Thraka rides again. Yes, he does. Now, Gazkul is... He very, very simply is able to go toe-to-toe with some of the most powerful agents of, of good. And evil. And evil in the Warhammer universe. And he is a powerhouse... Uh, you know, in close range, and even though the orcs <clears throat> are not very good at shooting, he does have the ability to create some kind of threat at medium range, at the very least. So he's going to be in there leading your boys. The very special thing about Gazkill, though, is if any friendly orc that is within a certain range of him attacks, he is able to add one to their attack's characteristic, and that means... If they get two attacks... They get three. They get three attacks. If they roll a six on those attacks, they're generating additional attacks. think that you're beginning to see... It's going to snowball. ...some of the dominoes that are in place here. So, on to the boys. We thought, all right, 20 boys. That's a pretty good number. However, we like to up ourselves, so we immediately doubled it to 40. That was pretty good. Then we thought about something else. Why should we have 40 boys, but we can have 40 Scar Boys? Scar Boys? Yes. I've heard legend of these boys. Now, Scar Boys is an option for one command point per unit. Command point is a... These are currencies that you can use in the game to pull off uh, strategic moves or re-rolling of dice. Very uh, key niche... Uh, kind of like movements to change the course of the game it adds an important utility option to uh they all could almost shift the tide of battle absolutely now for one command point for each of these units two total you can turn these boys into scar boys what a scar boy will be in difference to a regular boy is their strength will increase from a four to a five now for those who do not play warhammer 40k may not sound like a lot this is an incredible change. It essentially puts the very cheap run-of-the-mill infantry unit on the same power level of a knob, which is an elite um, an elite melee unit that the orcs have access to. Like an to. orc boy, but like slightly scarier and bigger. Yes, and to put it into perspective for you, knobs can run around in about a group of five for... Uh, Maybe even more, I think. Well, yeah. well a, a group of five knobs can run around for about the same cost, almost, as 20 boys, yeah. 20 scar boys. So, just think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to supplement this power frenzy of boys that you're going to have coming at people, not just boys, scar boys, yes. 40 of them, along with your weird boy in Gazkull, I've supplied 20 Gretchens. 20 Gretchens. Yes. Now, Gretchens, although they are small and insignificant... And, and quite pathetic, really. Quite pathetic. They provide a very supplemental utility, and that is, if in danger, especially if Gazkul or your weird boy is in danger, these Gretchens serve as body shields. So that you're they able, do, you're they able do to, so very well. You're able to pick these up and use them to uh, essentially save a character that you might want to live. Even a boy is more <laughs> valuable than a Gretchen. That is true. And if it, if it came close to it, hey, you never know when it could save, turn the tide of a game. Yeah. Especially when, uh, you know, like 40 of those boys are just like chopping down a knight because Scar Boys are really strong and scary. It's true. But you're going to have to think about, you know, all of the factors that are coming at you, how you could possibly both advance and protect yourself so we've outfitted you with a couple of special elite orcs Ooh. in your army in this part of your army first up on the docket 
We have your standard configuration of burner boys. These flamethrower-wielding orcs will be able to automatically take down any threat that is charging at them. Take down is in hit automatically. Yeah. Killing them is a different story. But it provides a necessary shield of fire, yeah. literally, to protect your advancing boys and the weak Gretchens who are really going to serve themselves better if they can live longer yeah. to protect your bigger units. Sort some shots. Yes. Now, the flamethrowers are pretty great, but even in close range, these burner boys are able to melee attack with their flamethrowers and essentially use the equivalent of like a like a particle lance made of pure flame that and sounds intense destroy and just completely penetrate armor at close range like a blowtorch almost yes yes very scary i wonder if we should make these goths as well they are oh my gosh yes They'll it hit is, even more it has all been taken into account now running with everybody you are going to have a knob with a wog banner now this knob is going to be responsible for exciting the orcs and pumping them up and just really getting them ready and jazzed for the battle that's to come. Just yelling really loud. Yes. Now, what that translates to uh, in the game is that when your orcs are attacking and they're within a certain range of this gentleman, uh, they're going to add one to their already very, very high likelihood to land their attack. Because they're just going bonkers. They're <laughs> pumped. And they are just swinging wildly and hitting everything. So he's going to make this this pack of bloodthirsty orcs even more accurate, even more likely to generate additional hits, and it's going to be great. Now, I did give you some knobs. There's 126 points in knobs, 128 points. Uh, you are able to keep these or supplement them with the other things that we'll be talking about. However, I thought that at the very least, you, to have a couple of knobs running around, they have a uh, fairly decent save and uh, that would mean they're fairly able to stay alive and take fire so if you need somebody to really body shield a very important character and maybe save from a couple of shots or damage they could be valuable could be more valuable running with more boys though that's your decision it's Evan's army <laughs> now I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the pain boy now the pain boy is a special orc he has a gauntlet that has a syringe on it. I believe they're called Erty syringes. Erty syringes, yes. He has a whole menagerie of tools, but his main responsibility is keeping your orc boys uh, alive, for better or for worse. Yes. Yes. Now, what the pain boy does that's special is each time uh, any of your boys loses a wound and they're within a certain range of him, you roll a dice. On a six... That orc does not lose that wound. So that means my orc boys have two uh, saves. Yes. Now, the important thing about this is, on a small scale, it's not super effective. But remember, you're going to be running around with 40 boys, 20 Gretchens, and a couple of elites around you. So on this scale, you know, any... If you get under fire, you could be rolling a handful of dice each time. Yeah. You're bound to get at least a couple of sixes. Now, as we're going in a little bit further, we're going to start to reach uh, some of our heavier units. And uh, this will be the end of the first set of troops. And uh, the last thing that we'll have is the mech guns. Now, mech guns, they're pretty cool. They've always been something that orcs could get. And... We've looked past them before, but in this special, special Evan army, they have a new purpose. Oh, really? Yes. The mech guns have been outfitted with tractor beams. Tractor beams? And you have two of them. Oh, my. Yes. Sounds not that important, but tractor beams hit automatically. They're especially good against flying vehicles. What? I'm sorry. One of those orcs in the audience is yelling something. It's gold of tractor cannon, you dick. Oh, I'm sorry. Tractor Cannon. Tractor Cannon. I'm just a humble humble host of a show. Oh, Rib Muncha, Don't let them get to you. I'm sorry. But Tractor Cannon, what it actually is going to do is any flying vehicle, it is going to hit that automatically. And if it lands the killing blow, it is going to immediately cause it to explode. That sounds wonderful. It does sound wonderful. And the damage that it does, just to give you a little bit of reference, is uh, Strength 8 
which is even more than your crazy boys. It's armor penetrating minus two, and you roll a six-sided dice, and that is the amount of damage that it does. Oh, my. You're going to have two of these things firing as your boys advance in their, their giant blob of death. Now It's going to give you some things to think about. It is going to give you some things to think about. How are you going to keep them protected? I know that you know this amount of slow-moving power, it can be tough to, to coordinate it and really kind of make the best use of it by owning in. But that's why we've already thought to these lengths. Because the second part of your army is vehicle-centric. Yes. It is going to be an outrider detachment. Sounds fancy. Yes, these are going to be crazy hopped up on spray paint orcs yes just like what i wanted yes they're of the culture evil sons they're going to be driving vehicles screaming at the top of their lungs speeding around you know why they can do this why because they believe in their culture that's true red indeed makes things go faster yes so orcs have a habit of painting things when they want uh a certain effect to happen and this is none the more prevalent in the evil sons orcs think of it like a magical war paint Yes. Now, well, what this exactly does is they paint something red because they believe it'll go faster. It's science. And then it does. <laughs> so in the rules, what this translates to is everything moves by inches in this game. You may add one inch to the move characteristic of models with this culture, adding two instead if this model is a speed freak. And that's essentially for some of the vehicles, some of which you even have. In addition to that, when a model advances, which is after they've already moved their certain amount of inches, they can roll another dice to advance. Sometimes, though, that costs them the ability to shoot. With these orcs, they may add one to their advance and their charge rolls made, and they do not suffer the penalty for when they're shooting after they advance. This applies to assault weapons, which, lo and behold, many of your troops in this detachment will have. Excellent. So you may ask, who is crazy enough to lead up a drugged-up, fume-smelling band of red orcs? Or orcs riding in red? Probably a speed boss of some kind. Quite possibly a speed boss. What if I told you that he was half-orc, half-cyborg... A, a cyborg? A cyborg driving a death-killer war-trike. A death-killer war-trike? A war-trike is a monster of a three-wheeled motorcycle... Fitted to the teeth with guns, melee weapons, and the ability to speed and crash into anything that it possibly can. Yes. Yes. So, one of the things that makes this so special, this will be leading up your vehicle segment of your army, is whenever this unit charges, at the start of the charge phase, a unit within six inches of this leader can charge even if they advanced. Keep this in mind, because the group that's going to be backing up your leader, your Death Killer War Trike, is not going to be one, it's not going to be two, but it's actually going to be three Killicans. Killicans? Yes. So Killicans are essentially mini Death Dreads, and Death Dreads are essentially walking trash can robot monsters. With like four buzzsaws sticking out of them yes they're extremely deadly but killer cans notably not super fast um they can move about six inches most of the other things that are going to be in this vehicle detachment are going to be able to move about a minimum of 10 inches or so but the killer cans are going to be able to move and then advance And then if their leader that they're going to be accompanying decides to charge into somebody, they're going to be right behind, also able to just charge right in. That sounds ridiculous. Yes. He's going to send some some fast killer cans. Yes. Now, this is going to be especially effective if somebody is trying to stop the flood of your boys uh, and halts them. You can lead a charge with your death killer war trike and have the killer cans following behind. Uh, naturally, the Killicans, these smaller little robots, they're going to be outfitted with buzzsaws and guns. Ooh. So they're going to have both offensive uh, in uh, range as well as in close quarters. Now, 
that was kind of just the taste. That was like the leader group. In addition to these vehicles, you're going to be backed up. You're going to be backed up by uh, a couple of things. Let me just name them for you, and I'll go into a little more detail. You're going to be backed up by a Custom Booster Blaster. I love the name. A Megatruck Scrapjet. Cool. And two Shock Jump Dragsters. Nice. Yes. Now, the role of each of these vehicles, much like a game of chess is to produce different effects. Starting with the custom booster blasters, this is an extremely powerful charging vehicle. Uh, it has the ability Spiked Ram, which is that whenever it finishes a charge, a unit that's extremely close to it uh, has a very high chance of suffering irreparable damage. <laughs> oh no. In addition to this, when this model is shooting at somebody, not only can it shoot with the weapon that you choose, but also every other weapon that the vehicle has on it. So when your war trike is leading the charge and this is following in, it's then able to disengage and kind of strafe around the battle, just unloading all of its arsenal on the you know the fight that's oh, happening. That sounds great. Yes. Now, alongside the custom booster blaster, you're going to have a mega truck, a mega truck scrap jet. And the Megatruck Scrapjet is also a charging monster. Uh, it has the same ability, Spiked Ram, which just causes crazy damage um, when you charge into somebody, and irreparable damage. Uh, but it also has a ridiculous movement speed, and it also has a ridiculous save. So it's able to stay alive and continuously crash into things and charge, <laughs> essentially as long as your war bike is. I've heard it described as a drivable power fist. Yeah, it's it's pretty close to that. Now, there's a lot of things going on, kind of just one-sided, like charging into something and closing yourself in battle. But what happens when, you know, there's a lot of factors on the board and maybe your boys and your entourage of vehicles need to go in one direction, but there's something going on in the other direction. You need something to deal with that, right? What do you do? Brain aneurysm. Exactly. You don't have a brain aneurysm. You call out the shock jump dragsters. Ooh, tell me about them. Yeah, so these vehicles are special because they're able to teleport around, essentially, uh, and get out of sticky situations. So when you roll a four or higher when you're advancing with this model, which many, many times you'll be able to, you simply remove it from the board. You're able to set it up anywhere that's more than nine inches away from an enemy. So, literally, you can go into a situation, either charge in or uh, they actually have one of the best shooting um, statistics in the game for the orcs. Yeah. They're as good as shooting as a space marine is with one of their weapons, which is very good. That's it's, just it, ridiculous for an orc. You have unit. a 50-50. It's on a three or higher. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really, really good. Um, and you can kind of engage people from different points. And then if you're needed suddenly somewhere else on the other side of the board, cool. Go ahead, advance. You can teleport to pretty much wherever you need to be as long as it's nine inches away. And even if you, you know, are the nine inches away, this has a movement of 14. So you can clear whatever distance you have to clear. Oh, my. Um, also this thing to, almost sounds omnipotent. Also, to put it into perspective, the guns that are super accurate, those have 24-inch range. Yeah. So you can teleport and be 20 inches away from a unit and still shoot at them. Sounds like a great skirmisher. Yes, but you're going to have two of these. So you're able, hopefully, you know, while troops are getting bogged down, if there's any decision to make a counteroffensive... You can ambush them with your teleporting roadsters. <laughs> yeah, my like form. Not they're not like Formula One. They're like drag racers, but with like teleporting guns on them. Yes. Now we've gone through a lot of information, and we're almost at the end of this list. However, we needed to account even for the things we couldn't foresee happening, and I think that I have a good solution to that. Pray tell. Well, in addition, in this entourage of vehicles, these speed-boosted orcs uh, all getting buffed to their movement, I have Mega Knobs. Mega Knobs. Yes. Now, Mega Knobs are orcs who are essentially fitted into giant cobbled-together mech suits out of mostly scrap metal, as I believe. You can describe them as, like, 
children playing with like pots and pans and trying to be robots, but it's working out for them pretty well. Yes. Now the thing about Mega Knobs is they're very powerful and they're very hard to kill. However, they are incredibly slow. Their biggest weakness is their speed. But we thought of that. Like four or three inches or something. Uh, A Mega Knob speed is four inches. That's very slow. Very slow. In a group where most things are moving a minimum of ten. However, we thought of that. We thought of that for you. Because this is a this is an entourage of speed, as I've mentioned before. We've given them their own truck. They can load into the truck. That truck is gonna be able to keep pace with the war trike, with all of the other vehicles, and essentially cart around these mega knobs to any specific target that you need to make die fast. <laughs> and they'll be able to hop out of the truck. They can board a vehicle with boarding planks. We have uh, fitted this truck with a wrecking ball so they can take pot shots and other things and a gun probably don't want to use the gun just send the mega knobs out but this is your damage control group this is the group that if your weird boy you know your your wizard or whatever you want to call him your shaman is getting attacked you can send these guys out to do some damage control and they're also going to be great at holding objectives if you need to scare somebody off and kind of keep keep your ground yeah uh I think that's all the troops. Now, there are a couple of things that are just really, really going to make this shine for you. And I think it should be worth going over. Now, traditionally, orcs are are very poor shots. This has been your biggest uh, obstacle to overcome with orcs. They're tragic flaws, it were. Well, we've given you a a new rule. And this is something that all of your orcs will have. And it's called Daka Daka Daka. Now, even though we have not increased the ability for an orc to shoot, what we have allowed is much like your group of boys with melee, with Daka Daka Daka, the same applies to guns. Oh my. Yes. So each time you roll an unmodified six, the weapon automatically hits, regardless of modifiers. In addition, you may immediately make another shot. And this is like the crit army almost. Yes. So... Let's go back to our, our full army view. We have 40 boys. Each of those boys has a melee weapon. With that melee weapon, they're able to generate additional hits. And without looking back and re-going over the information, you're going to be getting multiple attacks with those boys, somewhere in the area of three to four attacks with each boy in a group of 40. In addition to this, they all have pistols. As you're advancing, you're able to shoot. The same rule applies. Any unmodified six, you will be able to shoot again, and that attack automatically hits. Oh, my. Though you are not as likely to hit, you can't control Lady Luck rolling you a six, and when you're rolling 40 dice each shooting phase, never mind everyone else who might have guns that have more bullets, out of those 40, you're going to roll a couple of sixes. I personally guarantee it. Me rib muncher. <laughs> Rimmunch's word is is law around these parts. Yes. Well, what do you think? This is this is amazing. This is what I've been waiting for for months, maybe even years. Well, I'm glad that you like it. Now, this this army we've planned it all out for you, and we we know that you're trying to piece it together the best way that you can. But just tell me, you know, when you have this whole army in front of you, what was the first thing you're gonna do? Uh, I'm, I'm probably gonna go back to Holy Terra and face JLo's Death Guard army, and we're gonna have a long-awaited battle to see who's the meanest and the greenest. It's true. It's true. Those Death Guard can be pretty green. And pretty mean. Thank you so much, Ribmuncha. This means so much to me. I, I don't know what to say. Well, that's why we do it. You know, here at Snaz My Wagon, we really just love the fans. That's why we're on a meteor hurling past Holy Terra for you guys. Speaking of hurling past Holy Terra, I gotta get back. JLo's. I don't even know he knows where I went. We could get you back. Don't worry. Hang on. Whoa! Oh, JLo, hey, what's up? Where did you go? Well, turns out that uh, limousine was a uh, teleporter of some kind. Oh, man. Well, was it cool? Like, did, did you get on the show? And... Oh, yeah, the show was great. I, I met. 
uh, rib muncher, and he had a studio audience of orcs, and everyone was so violent and angry, and oh, he made me the best army ever. I can't wait to tell you about it. Okay, well, I'm just looking at the audio here. They seem like a pretty, like, generic applause and laughter type audience. Yeah, that was pretty strange. Uh, I could have sworn it was a live audience, but, you know, who knows nowadays. Yeah, I guess that's true. The The age of technology has really just driven us to these extreme lengths. It's a dark age of technology. But was the list good at least? The list was great, and I think I'll have success with it. Okay, that's all we wanted to know. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for episode 7, Snaz My Wagon. Um, you know, as always, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, if you haven't already, please rate us, comment, uh, follow. We are on many, many media outlets now, pretty much all of them. We're diversifying our assets. We are diversifying our assets. Um, so you can find us at thedorkweb.net. You can email us at thedorkwebpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we have an Instagram up now, and we have a Twitter, which is at dorkweb. Uh, and you can also find our Facebook page, the dork web we are pretty active as far as posting uh kind of what we're up to on instagram and twitter and facebook however we'll be using the website a little bit more uh because we've acquired a basically proverbial shitload of board games that we've been playing through and uh i think the best place to put that store to stuff is is right on the website we can see it firsthand doesn't translate as well uh (laughs) in voice (laughs) no it doesn't uh but you know i'll repeat myself again and say thank you all for listening and until next time friends